please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. I'm Doug King. I am your host, and I'm here by myself this week. So I thought that we would kick off the show with a fantastic news story out of Washington State. Now, I know that we've had a lot of news here in Georgia. Different things going on with our legislation and legislators now that we've hit sign die and the, the session is over. Uh, I'm once again reminded of what Will Rogers said that, you know, when Congress is in session, no man is safe. But here we are. We have passed through um, hell and high water and have come out the other side. Um, we're waiting to see if Governor Deal is going to sign or veto the the um, college carry bill. I, I shudder to call it campus carry because it doesn't really include all the campuses. But that's neither here nor there, nor the topic of our discussion today. So <clears throat> let us turn our gaze to Washington State, where this last weekend, the largest civil disobedience rally, I believe, ever to be held was held at the footsteps of their Capitol building. Now, let's put this in, in perspective, okay? Washington State passed an ordinance or a law where they said that you can't have private sales of firearms anymore. Everything's going to have to go through an FFL. They also uh, put a lot more restrictions on where you can and can't carry and and open carry issues. So in light of this bill that went forward with without the support of the gun community and with much animosity being created for it, this is what occurred on Sunday between 1,000 and 3,000 individuals marched on the Capitol. Um, there were, <clears throat> let me see here. They showed up openly armed at the state Capitol in Olympia, Washington on Saturday to defy the newly passed gun control. I five ninety four organizer Gavin seem May, it's S-E-I-M, I may not be pronouncing that right, made the extraordinary nature of the rally very clear. This isn't just a protest. We are here to openly violate the law. Attendees publicly transferred their guns to each other in violation of I-91's background check provisions. And some of them even bought and sold guns just a few feet away from law enforcement. A fire pit blazed throughout the rally. And at the conclusion, gun owners lined up to burn their concealed carry permits. A petition was circulated affirming gun owners' refusal to follow I-594, which ended with, we pledge our blood, we will not comply. Now think about that, folks. Here we are, <clears throat> what may be one of the most tumultuous times in our nation's history. We've got... Riots happening in, in, in inner cities. You look back at Ferguson. You look at what was happening in Baltimore not, not even a year ago. And all of the, the, the tumult that is coming from the Supreme Court's decision about gay marriage. You've got pastors doubling down. You've got state legislatures, even our own, doubling down, trying to pass laws that circumvent what the Supreme Court has done and take away people's rights, or, and conversely, like in, in our case with our law here, affirm people's rights and prevent them from being sued. 
in order to create a shield against um, lawsuits that are designed to attack and hurt. There, there is so much turmoil in our nation right now. And we're going into a president election year where we've got the old guard in Hillary Clinton versus a radical um, outlier in Donald Trump and whatever the, the, the shenanigans that the establishment Republicans are going to pull this year, whether they even let Trump into the convention will be interesting to see. Turmoil. Everywhere I turn, turmoil, turmoil, turmoil. And in light of that, here's Washington State passing laws to take away people's rights to own, keep, and bear arms. And why are they doing that? What is the only purpose for limiting a free, a law-abiding, and honest person from owning a gun? Well, it's because you're afraid of them. Law-abiding people, patriots, people who believe in the Second Amendment, who believe in the First Amendment, are willing to take up arms in order to protect this country and protect its founding principles. And when they see that a government is running amok, when they see that politicians are more interested in lining their own pockets than doing what's right, when they see that politicians are only interested in, in their own advancement and not in the polis, into the public good, into the things that are the fundamental guiding light of this country, when patriots see that, they're willing to do something about it. And we're at a point where patriots are starting to come out of the woodwork to do something about it. They're running for local office. They're getting involved. They're donating money to the causes that they see fit. But even that just seems to just not get anywhere because the system is rigged and stacked against us. There is a time when the the establishment powers got together, colluded together in monopolistic fashion and cut out third parties and refrained people from being able to run primaries and made it so hard to get into power that they were felt secure and safe. But that security is being threatened. It's being undercut by judicial decisions like the one we talked about last week where ballot access is opening up. It's being undercut by groups like georgiacarry.org that go out there and fight for what's right. And when we start to get into these sorts of battles, when it becomes locked and heated and debated, and when people are willing to do what they need to do in order to stand up for their rights, governments become afraid. Remember uh, from that movie, V for Vendetta, what V said, government should be afraid of his people, not people afraid of their government. Well, that's where we are. Government is becoming afraid of its people. And that is a good thing. The government should be afraid of its people. The people hold the power, not the government. The people are the final arbiters of what is going to happen in this country, not the government. And the government cannot tell us as a people what to do. A couple of years ago, I had the misfortune of having to go to the records department in downtown Fulton County. And the records department is this massive brick building is, I mean, it's like cinder block. It looks like a cinder block on the outside. It's just one gigantic monolithic structure with tiny little windows. It looks like a pillbox. And you go into it and you have to go through security and they, they wand you and you walk through a metal detector and they make sure you have nothing in your hands or your pockets. And you go up to this window and it's got about three inches of bulletproof glass with a little speaker microphone through the wall. Not even a, they didn't even bother to break the glass to have a speaker in it. So they talk through a microphone in the wall and underneath there's a drawer that's a double locked drawer. So when one side is open, the other side is closed and there's no way to get through. And in light of that, I went and asked for a copy of a conviction record. Now, why on earth do they need inches of bulletproof glass, sliding um, pass box, a microphone speaker, and armed security with metal detectors for records? To me, it just screams that this government is afraid of its people. Now, should government be afraid of its people? In, in general, yes. In specific, no. 
People are not a threat to their own government. They're a threat to foreign invaders. They're a threat to robbers. They're a threat to murderers. Good people are a threat to those who do evil. And and that brings me kind of full circle on this, because when you are doing evil, then you should be afraid. If you're doing wrong by people, then be afraid, because justice will come. I speak as a former prosecutor. Justice comes to those who are in the right. Justice comes. It may not come today. It may not come tomorrow. But eventually and inevitably, justice is served. So you should be afraid if you're doing evil. So look and see who is afraid. And those are the people who are doing evil. This, in the book of Proverbs, it talks about people who flee when no man pursueth. That's, that's talking about, that's talking about a guilty conscience. People who have a guilty conscience flee when no man is after them. They have a guilty look about them. They're afraid. Government is afraid now. Why is government afraid? Remember what Davy Crockett said? Be sure you're right and go ahead. Be sure you're right, then go ahead. I think that that is very poignant in today's society because I think that a lot of politicians know they're not right. I think the government knows it's not doing right, and that's why it's afraid. Well, no one may be pursuing today, but I can guarantee you this, justice is coming. There is coming a time when justice will be served and those who do wrong will be held accountable and those who hurt other people will be held accountable and those who put their own self-interest ahead of the group or ahead of the polis will be held accountable. And when that day of reckoning comes, and it's not going to come at the end of a barrel of a gun. I know I'm sitting here in a gun rights show talking about, about freedom and equality, but this is not about um, a, a coup or seizing power or anything like that. This is about justice. And whether they run out of town on a rail, tarred and feathered, or made an example out of publicly, and that happens too, there eventually comes justice. So looking over at Washington, you've got between one and 3,000 people openly defying the law who are, are, are transferring firearms in front of the police officers, who are burning their concealed carry permits. I mean, I... I I don't remember, but I remember studying about the women's liberation movement in the 70s and women going out and burning their bras because it was a symbol of oppression. My goodness, a, a good old carry permit burning. What a thought. What a concept to go out there and say, we don't need no stinking badges, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to is that are we free or not? Is this a, is this a constitutional right? Is this a God-given right? Or not? And if it is, why do we need to have a permit? Why do we need to have a license? Why do we need to pay a fee in order to be able to exercise the rights that any free man or woman, any person who is created in the image of an almighty creator, anybody who has the intellect and abilities of a human being, all of those things come together to engage us and to deliver this right of self-defense. And who can stand in our way? Who can tell us that we cannot exercise that right? Folks, I'm at a commercial break. I'll be right back after this. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Welcome back, folks. So we're talking about what happened in Washington State. And um, I'm getting most of my information from a website called truthandaction.com, and they had a great story about this. I want to read for you another little segment of something that I found interesting. Uh, it says here, The rally could not be dismissed as fringe elements. Several lawmakers and lawmen spoke, including former Graham County Sheriff Richard Mack of Arizona, Washington State Rep. Elizabeth Scott, and Rep. Graham Hunt. Who support, who sported an AR-15 during his speech. Mac advised gun owners engaging in civil disobedience to put your sheriff next to you to keep it peaceful. Scott defiantly explained in her speech, I will not comply with I-594 because it is unconstitutional, unenforceable, and unjust. It is impossible to enforce this law unless there is a police officer on every back porch and in every living room. So it will be enforced selectively. She noted that the founding father, Alexander Hamilton, said any law that violates the Constitution is not valid and there is a moral obligation to disobey unjust laws. How poignant. (laughs) I mean, how telling. A moral obligation to disobey unjust laws. You know, that's that's the, the, the crux of every civil rights movement, isn't it? We look at what Martin Luther King did in civil disobedience and not inspiring hate, not trying to stir up, you know, animosity, but to simply stand firm in your rights. And it's time. It's time. We have gotten to the point where it's time for the gun owners to stand firm in their rights. I am tired of being told we need to compromise. I am tired of being told that we need to uh, have credibility. I don't want to be credible anymore. I want to be incredible, right? Why would I want to just be credible when I could be incredible? I want to do things that people said were not possible. I want to do things like we did in the heyday. I want to look out and say, That public gathering law that's been on the books for a hundred years, it's gone. It's gone, and you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about being arrested on your back porch, like what's happening in Washington State. Washington State says if you transfer a firearm without a background check, transfer, not sell, transfer. So if you hand it to another person, you've transferred it. They want to say that that's a crime. Just like carrying at a public gathering was a crime, even when that public gathering was two or three friends in a backyard at a barbecue. And those cases existed in Georgia. This is a huge step back, Washington State, and I I am so proud of every man, woman, and child who went to that rally. I am so proud of everyone who burned their carry permits in protest over what is right and what is good and what is pure and what is true in this country. I am so proud of everybody who has fought for their rights in Washington state. And I want to see that that fire, the fire that burned up those carry permits and that lit a fire underneath the people of that state. I want to see that fire spread. I want to see every state in this union get that kind of passion for their rights, for their second amendment freedom, for the rights that are not enshrined only in the constitution, but enshrined on the hearts of every man. That is where you find Civil liberties. That is where you find freedom 
It's not written in a constitution. It's not written in the Bill of Rights. It's not written down on, on some document that's signed and sealed and meets the specifications of law that some government passed. It's not Hammurabi's Code. It's not the Magna Carta. These are rights that are written on the tablets of our hearts as free people. Every woman knows when her freedom is being taken. Every man feels it when his rights are infringed, not because it follows the letter of this law, but because, as I believe it was Justice Story put it, it offends traditional notions of fair play and substantial justice. What a turn of phrase. It offends traditional notions of fair play and substantial justice. These are the things that offend the heart, that trouble our conscience. And if your conscience is not offended by government takings, if your conscience is not offended by a government that, that orders its citizens how to live, then your conscience has been seared to the point where I don't know if you have community with your fellow man anymore. Because that is the point at which you have ceased to be able to understand the empathy that's required to make you a human being. I believe in my heart what separates human beings from animals is a soul. And what is a soul? A soul is that ability to have empathy, to see yourself in the other person's shoes. The Bible talks about walking, if if you're compelled to walk a mile, walk twain. Go twice as far as you have to go the extra mile. Yes, that comes out of the King James Version of the Bible, folks. That, that idiom that we use so often. He went the extra mile. That, that is a reference to being compelled to carry the pack of a Roman centurion for one mile. This was something that was every citizen or every subject of Rome, not citizens. Citizens had rights. Subjects did not. Every subject of Rome could be compelled to carry the pack of a soldier for one mile. But he could only be compelled to carry it for one mile. The Bible said, carry it twain. Don't carry it just one mile. Carry it two. Go the extra mile. Well, that going the extra mile puts you in the shoes of the other person. It makes you understand their troubles. It makes you understand their perspective. And if you cannot step back and see that perspective, if you cannot see how the other person feels, if you cannot understand their motives, if you cannot get behind them and know where they're coming from, then you've lost the greater, greatest part of your humanity. What makes us special is that we do that. And some people have were never born with that ability. We call them sociopaths. Some people have had that ability beaten out from them. And I call that sad. But whatever it is, it separated you from your fellow man. Now, the government is no exempt. I mean, we talk about corporations, right? Corporations are people, too. I mean, that was the push of Citizens United. And I... I don't know. I've been called and, and, and tested and, and pushed on this to say, well, would you, would you get rid of Citizens United? I don't know. I don't think that in principle it's a bad idea. I think maybe in practice it is. But the principle is, is that people can join together, form a group, pool their resources, and accomplish more. My goodness, that's what Georgia Carey was supposed to do. 
That was the whole idea. We pool our resources. We pool our abilities. We pool our, our funds. And through that, we're able to accomplish more than any one of us could alone. That's collectivism. And that is not a bad thing. Every corporation is a collection of the, the investors, the stockholders coming together to achieve something in the marketplace. Every lobbying group is, is a collection of interests coming together to achieve something in the political sphere. And are there bad lobbying groups? Yes. Are there bad corporations? Yes. Is there, can anything good be used for evil? Absolutely. The heart's deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? Men will come up with a way to twist anything to be an evil prospect. But does that mean that we undermine the individual's rights to organize? Is every union bad? And I don't think so. I think what we need to focus on instead of whether, you know, we should take money out of politics because money is, is a representation of time and effort, right? I mean, when, when you take a dollar bill from me, you're not taking a dollar bill. You're taking a piece of my life. I traded a piece of my life for that dollar bill. Now, you know, it depends. You know, there's some people, you know, I'm not, not going to name Ed Stone's name, but there are some people who make good money. And maybe that dollar bill is a very, very tiny piece of their life. There are some people who don't make very much money and who are struggling and who, for whom that dollar bill is a huge chunk of their life. But whether it's a tiny sliver or a giant slice, that dollar bill is still a representation of the life that they spent to earn it. And if you take that dollar bill from somebody, you have taken a piece of their life. What a responsibility. What a responsibility for government. Every time you spend a dollar, you're spending somebody else's life. Think about that. It's an awesome prospect. Every time an organization collects money, somebody has pledged a piece of their life to that organization. If you donate to NPR, you've given a piece of your life to make sure that they stay on the air. If you give money to Georgia Carey, you've given a piece of your life to Georgia Carey to go and do great things with. If you give money to your church or give money to a missionary, you're giving a piece of your life to their cause. Think about that. Now think about, is that coffee, that $3 coffee, really worth part of your life? How much are you willing to bleed for that $3 coffee from Starbucks? Folks, I'm, I'm at a commercial break, and, and I'm kind of getting off track. So we'll be back in just a moment. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> so when we took the break, we were talking about money and politics, kind of a, as a... a on a side, I guess it had moved on from where I was intending this to go. Uh, when I was talking about Washington, they were burning their cards. It was a peaceful protest, um, but it was definitely designed to elicit the feeling of civil disobedience. It was designed to break the law, to publicly and quite proudly break the law. And what was interesting was that the police officers at the event were not arresting anybody. The law was in effect, and they were doing things that were blatantly illegal, but the law officers weren't going to go for it. And there is becoming a, a larger and larger divide between the politicians and the police and the politicians and the military, which is, again, troubling. 
in many ways because the police and the military are our lines of defense. They are the ones who execute justice. And when they, who are a just and moral people, regardless of, of what your take on, I mean, I know, right? You know, I know a lot of guys in the military and I would say a lot of them you wouldn't, you wouldn't ascribe the traditional values of morality to, right? I mean, these are people who cuss and drink and kill and do all the things that we're not supposed to do in the name of, of following orders and, and relaxing and they're rough and tumble and they're leathernecks and they're hard crusted people, right? But underneath all of that, underneath the bravado that goes along with a job where you will be risking your life every day, has to come a sense of honor, of loyalty, of duty, the, the, the grand morals of Plato and Aristotle. And those are the things which shine through. And so when they are given illegal orders, when they are given orders that, that offend what is written on the tablet of their heart, they don't want to obey. They don't want to comply and they don't want to enforce it. Those are heroes. Those are patriots. The people who went to this rally and openly defied the law, they're brave. But the heroes are the men who did not arrest them, who allowed it to just go by without making an example out of them. Now, this is a point that I am deeply, deeply divided on, okay? And so we're going to take a minute and talk about why I am divided on the enforcement of an unjust law. In this instance, the law was not enforced. All of those people went home. They had their moment in the sun. They made their point. They brought national attention to it. They signed a pledge that said that they would never comply. They shouted out, today I become an outlaw. You know the old saying that if you outlaw guns, only the outlaws will have guns? Well, that doesn't mean only bad people will have guns. There will be good people. They'll just be outlaws. Highwaymen, you might say. On the coach roads, they did ride. But <clears throat> regardless, they, they stood up and they, they said their piece, but they were not arrested. Now, the upside of that is that they didn't have to spend a night in jail. They didn't have to make bond. They don't have to go in front of a judge. Their lives are not being torn apart. They're not going to end up with a criminal record. Those are all good things. And it's heroic that the officers did not subject them to that unfair and unjust treatment. However... And here's where I'm torn. And I would love to get your comments. If you want to send me a statement to radio at georgiacarry.org or, or hit us up on the georgiacarry.org radio hour Facebook page and, and leave me a comment about this, I would love to get some feedback because I don't know where I stand on it. And that's not often that I say that. But if you really want a law to change, if you really want to get down to the brass tacks, if you really want to make a difference in the way the law is being implemented, you have to get arrested. You have to go in front of that judge. You have to have a lawyer who will fight tooth and nail for you. Because that's the only way that you can get a court of appeals decision. That's the only way you can get the, the official code annotated. I was asked this this last week, okay? So how does case law get into the code? Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, well, it doesn't. Case law is separate from the code, right? But... What happens when you have a code that gets trumped by case law? Well, in Georgia, we have what's called the Official Code of Georgia, OCG, right? That's what it is, the OCG. No, it's the OCGA. What does the A stand for? The Official Code of Georgia Annotated. Well, what on earth is an annotation? Is that something that the code is put? No. 
Code Revision Committee has nothing to do with annotations. Annotations are done by Westlaw or by Lexis. They are agreed upon among the publishers of the book, and then they are added at the bottom of the code to explain it. Some code sections have a paragraph of code and five or six pages of annotations and small print after it because there has been so much case law on that code section and so many things have changed since the legislature last did anything with the code section. And codes can go on like that. You can have a code section that's on the books, but that has been effectively repealed through case law. And the code's still there, but once you hit the case law, there's nothing to go on with it. The books that the police use to charge people are little little pocket versions of this. They are based on the annotations as well as the statute. So if you get a case that is reported out, it becomes a part of the annotated code. And it'll have a footnote. It'll say, um, I don't know, Board versus King 2016. Um, this decision nullifies the ballot access requirement for county officials and reduces petition signatures from 1% to one to 15% of 1%. And there you go. The, the law says 1% for ballot signatures. The law is now 15% of 1%. And even though they never changed the code section, it's changed. So that's how that works. If we have a decision that comes out, now they generally will only do it for an appellate decision, which means that it'll have to be challenged and it'll have to go up on appeal. But if they don't issue the appellate decision, if they don't take it to appeal, if they won't appeal when, when I win like, you know, a case, then what happens is, is that judge's order gets circulated and published. And if you get arrested for it, you whip that order out and off you are. And now you've got another judge and maybe they'll take it up on appeal. Because eventually it's going to have to be appealed and have to be made so that people don't have to go hunting for the law. I'm dragging a little bit, folks. I'm trying my best. It has been a very hard pollen week here in Atlanta. The the rivers are running yellow with pollen down the streets, and I have been coughing my head off all week. And so he, I'm, I'm doing the best I can for you to try to get as much information out, especially in light of what happened in Washington State this week, because this is an important story. This is something that all Georgians need to learn from. Um, and, and here I am looking out, out the window at, at the mass of humanity milling about in downtown Atlanta. And I think to myself, there are so many people here who live in fear. There are so many people here who don't know how they would defend themselves or protect themselves. And the reason is, is because they feel that getting a permit is too hard, too onerous, too difficult, too expensive. There's going to have to come a push where we decide that it is time, and it is time to look for constitutional carry, to help defend the poorest, the weakest, the least able to go and jump through governmental hoops. And that's what getting a permit comes down to, is it's jumping through a governmental hoop. And I know that there's an argument that, well, by saying everybody who, who does this is licensed and background checked and permitted and good people gives some legitimacy. Well, that only gives legitimacy if you don't have written on the tablet of your heart that self-defense, self-preservation, and personal responsibility are paramount. Let's look at the people who say, I don't trust my fellow man, and see what, what has been erased off of the tablets of their heart. Are they, have they so lost their empathy that they can't see their fellow man as being somebody who needs to be protected to the fullest extent of the law? 
Or are they doing evil? And because they do evil, they don't want to see. It's a scary prospect. We need to be very cognizant of what's going on with our our politicians, what's going on with our legislature, our governor, our county commissioners, our board of education, our dog catcher. I don't care what office it is. Every office needs oversight. It needs a populace that is engaged and excited about it. It needs to have debate about how money is spent. Because remember, that dollar is not just a dollar. That dollar is a piece of somebody's life that you have taken often by force or the threat of force or the threat of of imprisonment or fines which are another form of imprisonment fines are imprisonment and taxation i've heard the the libertarian mantra and everyone knows i'm a libertarian libertarian mantra is taxation is theft taxation is not theft i'm going to say it right now taxation is not theft taxation is imprisonment Taxation puts us all in a locked box where we're afraid of what the guards will do. Licensing, that at least you're engaging in in a voluntary decision to, to partake in the conduct. Taxation, unless it's a sales tax, you're not engaging voluntarily. You are being held over a barrel. You're being walked down as a fresh fish and put in your little box. And that's what taxation is. It's not theft. It's imprisonment. Theft, governments don't steal. <laughs> governments do imprison. It's a much better analogy. Well, we are coming up on our final commercial break. When I come back, I will tell you a little bit more about how to join GeorgiaCarry.org and things you can do to get involved and round out the hour. Folks, this is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. I am your host, Doug King, and we will be back momentarily. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, folks. You've heard Rush say that he's got the fastest three hours in media. Well, that may be, but for our sprint, we're the fastest one hour, at least on radio around here. So, if you are listening online to me and burning up all of that bandwidth, why? Why on earth would you want to do that? Not, not want to listen to me, but why would you want to use your data to download this show and we could be on your local station and we are trying very hard to push some syndication to get this show on more radio stations more live broadcasts so if you would like to get involved if you are a georgiacarry.org member if you are someone who called governor deal's office this year okay if you can call governor deal you can call your local radio station ask for the station manager and tell him hey I love listening to your local radio station. This is a great station. I shop at your sponsors. I shop at Here, Here, and Here, and they are all sponsors of your shows. And that's fantastic. I just wanted to let you know what a great station you have. Now, there's a show that I like. I listen to it every week. It's called GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. And I would love to listen to it on your station. I've been listening to it online. Would you listen to it online? And the station manager will say, well, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, I'll listen to it, thank you. Then get his name and the number you called and email it to radio at georgiacarry.org. And we will follow up. In a week or so, we'll call the station and say, hey, we heard that you might be interested in carrying our show. 
and we will talk to him about what it takes to get us syndicated. It's not very hard for a radio station to syndicate a show like ours. We get onto a time slot that's good for them and good for us. doesn't cost them a dime. It helps GeorgiaCarry.org not only further its mission, but make a little money off of the advertising revenue, and boom, there we have it. Everybody wins. So do some legwork for us. Get out there. Find us some local AM stations or local FM stations that have a talk format or stations that do public interest or public access radio on Sunday mornings. A lot of stations like to do something that is public relations oriented for uh, airtime on Sunday mornings, particularly early Sundays. This is a great show to be able to put on at that time slot and get some more people interested in, in firearms ownership and concerning issues of politics and freedom. So that's something that you can do. If you've called Governor Deal's office, call a radio station. Let us know who you talk to. Radio at GeorgiaCarry.org. Now, let's say you haven't called Governor Deal's office. Well, on one hand, I would say kudos. On another hand, I would say you must not be a member of GeorgiaCarry.org. You must not be getting those daily emails saying, call, 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 call. Sounds a little bit like a, a bird on, on a, a telephone wire. Call, 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 call. Well, if you're not calling, you're not getting the emails. And if you're not getting the emails, you're not a GeorgiaCarry.org member. And you need to be. It's a whopping $20 a year, $500 for a lifetime, and it allows you to get all of the emails and know what bills are coming up, to be given the action updates, know what Senate subcommittee hearings need to be attended, know when there are floor votes coming, know who to call, give you their phone numbers, get you action, get you motivated, get you moving. So that is a great opportunity. Now, let's say that you want to join. Well, just go to www.georgiacarry.org, all spelled out, G-E-O-R-I-G-A, carry.org, and then... Up in the top left-hand corner, you'll see Join Now. Click Join Now, and there you are. You can enter in your information and be a member right that day. If you don't have Internet access, if you are listening to me on the air on either our, our, our home station, News Talk 1160, WCFO, the talk of the town, or if you are listening to us on one of the other affiliates that hardworking GCO members have got us onto, then you know that, or you may not have Internet access. If you don't have Internet access, just come out to a gun show. You'll find a georgiacarry.org booth with volunteers working hard at every gun show. You're going to find a georgiacarry.org member usually at just about every major festival that's coming along. I know that the Big Shanty Festival is coming up in Kennesaw. There's a ton of different uh, spring festivals. Shoot, georgiacarry.org may even be at the Gay Rights Parade. You never know where georgiacarry.org is going to pop up. And it gives us a great opportunity to meet you, shake a volunteer's hand, and be able to sign up there, get yourself a Gun Saves Lives button, and, and for you be a part of a movement. Be a part of something larger than yourself. Now, I've spent a lot of this show talking about things that are written on the tablet of your heart. We as human beings, whether you believe that we've evolved from a social structure or that we were created in the image of a divine um, tripartite God, either way, you come to the same conclusion. And that conclusion is, is that we are social beings. So, Get out and, and interact with some people who have the same beliefs, same f values, same interests, same, same quirks and oddities, same desires and passions that you do. That's what makes us, us thrive. We are no man as an island. We are not meant to be isolated creatures. We are not meant to be cut off from humanity. We are meant to interact and, and swim together in, in this stream of life. And to come to that, to be there, you need to find a place where you belong. And I'm telling you, you're not going to find any better place to go than a GeorgiaCarry.org luncheon. 
You go to this place with these munches and these people are sitting around talking about guns and politics and, and what's going on in their lives and how this ammo is terrible and that ammo is great and Glocker 1911, 1911 is the correct answer, and all of the great debates of the gun industry and everybody is having fun and everybody is respectful and everybody is, is, is calm and enjoying themselves and there's great food and good times. All of that comes together. And it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Find out when there's a local chapter meeting in your area. And there are local chapters popping up all over Georgia. Go to georgiacarry.org and check out where the local chapter meetings are so that you can go and have some fellowship and friendship and get to meet people who have the same interests that you do in a safe environment. And there is no safer place than wherever there is a georgiacarry.org meeting. I can guarantee that. So, folks, that is another wonderful opportunity that GeorgiaCarry.org provides for you to find other people who are like-minded and who are willing to get involved and get interested and to do wonderful things. This this is a, a wonderful opportunity for me. I enjoy coming on the air here and talking to you about things that are on my heart, the, the things that are written on the tablet of my heart, come pouring out through this show. And when I see the marchers in Washington, it spoke to me. It, it spoke to me so deeply that I could not wait, in spite of my allergies, in spite of my coughing fits, to, to be able to tell you about this. Because it's being completely underreported. No one is talking about it. Everybody is afraid of it. Even groups like the NRA are afraid of things like this because they're encouraging lawlessness. They're encouraging illegal activity. Members are going to be arrested. Well, you know what? To be persecuted in the pursuit of justice is no vice. It is not. If you're a Christian, well, the Bible says that you're going to be reviled and persecuted, and if it's in his name's sake, then, then it's all good. If you're a gun owner, you're going to be reviled and persecuted, folks. And it's because you are doing something in the name of justice, in the name of right, in the name of personal freedom and responsibility. And nobody likes that anymore. Nobody wants this to be free people. They want to be safe. Anyone who would sacrifice freedom for security deserves, liberty for security deserves neither. And that's the society we're in. We're in a society where we deserve neither anymore. But there are hope blooming forth there are delicate flowers pushing up bravely and strongly through the dark earth to reach for that sunlight and as they break through the soil they spread their leaves to catch the rays of freedom that are out here and those little buds that are coming forth from the ground cannot be stomped out individually any one could but the mass of them all working together to come for that freedom cannot be stopped and when one of them blooms and turns into a dandelion and you see the white puffball be carried off by the wind it's too late the government can't stop that and that's what things like this show that's what this people who are running for office that's what people who are fighting every day and who choose not to arrest people who are doing right even if it's against the law those are the seeds of the dandelions being blown out by the wind. Once they're gone, they can never be snuffed out again. And you can spend all day out there pulling up dandelions by the root over and over and over and get them all out of the yard. But come spring, there will be more because those seeds that that individuals, individual plants gave their lives for to send those seeds out have planted themselves 
and begun the struggle anew, a new generation struggling through the dirt to taste freedom. And that's where we are. That's spring. And dandelions don't have pollen that bothers me, so God bless them. Unlike ragweed, which is just a, a, another form of an establishment politician right there. You want to know what establishment politicians are? They're ragweed. They bother your eyes, they bother your nose, they get everywhere, and they're just crummy. <laughs> Folks, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope that you send me an email. Tell me what you th- you're thinking about. Tell me other topics you want to hear about. Um, we've been on the air for a year now. I think that we've done some good. I think that it's time for us to start talking about our contracts and figuring out where this show is going to go and what people like to see and what you'd like to hear and have happen. So let's hear from you. This week is a week that I need to hear from you. Send me an email. Talk to me on Facebook. Whatever you need to do. And then get out there. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy your families. Enjoy your spouses, significant others. Enjoy your friends. And and reconnect. Reconnect socially. And get to a point where you can have meaningful discussions and start to bring new people into the fold. It's time. It's time to reach out to a new person. It's time to befriend somebody who you didn't think to befriend. Folks, this has been the GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. I'm your host, Doug King. I'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.